0: All right, well, if you don't know, I grew up in Edmonds, Washington, uh, and it was a blast for me just down south. Uh, This week, I recalled to Heather, I was like, I think I was really spoiled growing up. Uh, I was recalling all the things that my dad and my parents did with me. Uh, We had homing pigeons at one time. Those are the pigeons like you drive away from your house, and then you let them go, and you try to beat them home, um, and they would fly back and come back to your house, Uh, We had Shetland ponies at one time. So these miniature ponies, this was when I was really young, uh, and uh, we would ride them in the backyard. Uh, We had four wheelers for a season at my parents' house. Um, But one of the funnest adventures I had, one of the funnest adventures I could recall is that two houses down from my parents' house uh, and one house up from my grandparents. So I lived like four houses from my grandparents, which my grandma always had a drawer of fig newton cookies so i remember anytime i see or or uh, have a fig newton cookie i remember my grandma uh anyway sorry uh sidetrack but two houses down from my parents house one house up from my grandparents there was a pond in the backyard of this house Uh, and uh we would have so many adventures around that pond me and my buddy patrick would go and we'd cut down we'd like attempt to cut down trees with box knives and like We could steal the axe out of my parents' garage. We'd get some trees down, and we'd build lean-tos and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it was a lot of fun, Uh, but in the middle of this pond was this skeletal structure of a house, Uh, skeletal structure in that there was just a few boards sticking up, and I think at one point there was still remnants of an old truck that was kind of still submerged a little bit out there, Um, and I remember the day that I decided I wanted to reach that island that was out in the middle of this Uh, Pond Uh, in the summer, uh, this little pond body of water would dry up mostly, and it would create a swamp. And I thought, and, and there's actually numerous times in my life that I thought I was fast enough to like not sink, or or I could walk on water and all that kind of stuff. This was one of those moments. I thought, you know, I'm a fast, quick guy. I'm gonna run as fast as I can. I'm gonna get out to that island that sits in the middle. And I knew once I got out there that I would defeat the old man that lived in that house that. Obviously, he wasn't there, but that was the story we had told ourselves. And I'd gotten up an, uh, enough nerve to run as fast as I could to reach this island and slay the old man. Um, and, uh, and, and as I took off into this pond, swamp, just, I don't know, uh, I got two steps in, and as I, and my shoe came off. My second shoe came off. And then two more steps, and both my socks came off. And I'm about... Eight steps, maybe a quarter of the way out to this island, and I'm thigh high in mud without shoes and socks, and just disgusting smell. I don't know if you've ever been like in a swampy area, but uh, but I I instantly as this as this you know the stagnant swamp the water had uh, kind of dried up and went away, and I and I'm sure I don't remember this, but I'm sure just based on. Oh, I know that I probably instantly started crying, and Patrick had to go back and get my dad and and, and, and rescue me uh, out of out of that, uh, that swamp, uh, stuck. In, and as I would move, I would just get more stuck in this mud. Um, but what made me think about that is is, is just kind of watching my kids' adventure these last uh, handful of weeks. Uh, my kids love water. I love water, too. Uh, and uh, kind of grew up in a swimming pool. And, I mean, not like literally in a swimming pool. I just swam a lot. We had a pool at our house. and uh, But my kids love water, and they love water like a dedication to loving water because they've been swimming in Lake Whatcom for at least five or six weeks already. Uh, like, they were in there, and I remember about three, maybe four weeks ago, I went down there and put my feet in Lake Whatcom, and I, and I swear, like, everybody in Bellingham had just dumped their ice trays into Lake walking, because that was, it was frozen, uh, and, uh, but I just, my kids, in the way they adventure, they they adventure different than than I do, but they love the lake, and they love the water. Uh, being down there two, three, and sometimes even five days a week, as the kids would just jump on their bike and take off and ride down there and and, and play, and, it, and it's just been tons of fun, but it got me thinking of an analogy I had heard uh Last year, sometime, and then, uh, and then, and then, being the kind of geek that I am when it comes to analogies, when it comes to Jesus and trying to see Him and everything, that analogy just ran wild in my head. And as we continue this series, overflow. That's what I recalled on 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 uh, on this Sunday that I wanted to share with you. Um, and I guess for me, it started maybe even back before that. Maybe 2017, I read a book, Gaining by Losing, and and the idea of giving away your best and, and, uh, and, and, and being uh, sacrificial with the way that you live, everything flowing out rather than gathering as much as we can, which we tend to do in our lives. Uh, focus, instead of focus on accumulating, you're focusing on giving away um, resources. And so this analogy that I had heard was about water and was about uh stagnant water and flowing water and the vision was to stop being a lake church and we live probably by one of the most beautiful lakes in the state of washington for sure maybe even you know nationwide i mean it's an amazing lake uh with lake Whatcom. but the idea was uh to not be a lake church but to live in a van down by the river. no that's that's something else uh, a church down by the river a river church uh, a lake church being a church where people flow in, they stay, they they plant their grounds, they gather and accumulate, build big ministries. A lake church is one that seeks to get more people around one pastor, one idea, one uh, vision, uh, one ministry, one culture. Uh, and a river church is 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 dramatically different. Instead of uh, staying and gathering. And uh, and focusing here uh, People would flow in And and from the church They would flow out And they would flow out The vision would be downstream They would flow out downstream And and go out from the church And God would take them places Maybe even other places Other than the the physical location And and they would reach people That were far outside The barriers of a lake Or the barriers of what would be a, a lake church and the measurement for that becomes uh what flows out of instead of what is produced inside and that whole idea has been racking around in my brain for a handful of weeks um and uh for me the measured impact was would be far bigger far larger far outside the boundaries of even our, our our furthest out ministries that it was about numbers. It wasn't about numbers and ministries or people attending and engaging, but it was trying to create a flow where wherever you are at, wherever you go, wherever you, uh, wherever life takes you, we, CTK Sudden Valley, the church, the design that God had for us, we would uh, engage and build you up in such a way that wherever you would go from here, you would have kingdom in impact. That... God's kingdom would increase, and I've said it before in some leadership meetings, maybe even I've said it on Sunday morning, but, uh, you know, Southern Valley is kind of a transitional community. People land here for a little while to move on someplace else, and my hope is that where you are, while you are gathered with us, while you're gathered with us, we equip you for today so that you're ready for your tomorrow, wherever that may be, wherever God takes you. It's a focus of flowing instead of Growing is the way I've heard it before Which is Kind of the opposite if you think about The idea of growth And in some cases and we'll get into it Growth is good like growth and understanding of who God is Growth and development and our relationships with him Those are some great things But there's times where We focus on growth rather than Focus on reach or focus on uh, on on, On Producing whatever it is that we know To be flowing out for others um, one of the greatest stories, there's a couple of them, but one of the greatest stories of the recent years for us here at CTK Southern Valley, one that really kind of tickles my heart every time I hear it, is the story of, and I got permission to share this with you, the story of Omar and Amy Mahia, And they have two daughters, and they attended here for quite a while. They live in Glenhaven and uh, were actively, you know, Heather had invited Amy to come to church quite a while before they came, but they came and they engaged and they served and their kids loved it, and I remember the Sunday that they came to let us know that they would be moving on, and uh, at first, <laughs> being a church planter, uh, you don't know how often that happens, but at first it was a sense of sadness and loss, and, uh, but there was a Sunday morning where they joined us and we got to send them out omar and amy and their family felt god call them to another church just north or south of uh glen where they are at radius church and uh called omar specifically in to work with some migrant workers and uh and we had the opportunity i feel in talking to them and even the way they did it to equip them for a season here and then they went from here to serve at amazing levels and still continue to serve at this other churches they serve migrant workers and 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 omar's an active translator for the church and things like that and it's just amazing because we got to be a part of building them up while they were here and then sending them out and being all right with that to do amazing kingdom work where they decided to go and so for my question my question for us this morning is when it comes to your experience, and there's a couple different ways to look at it, there's both church and, pers- and, and personal, but when it comes to your experience, when it comes to uh, outcome produced, what are you measuring? As you gather here at the church, what is it that you pay attention to and measure? Do you measure size of ministry? Do you measure um, do you, measure, you know, how active we are in a certain thing or, or, or different ministries we put on and different events that we put on? What would you say about our church if someone was to ask you how we are doing? Personally, in your life, if you call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, what are you measuring that to? What are you using as your guideline as to be an active follower of Jesus? For a church, would you talk about the kids' ministry where they absolutely kill it and we're getting 30-plus kids downstairs and all the classrooms are open Would you talk about what we do in here in the barn on Sunday mornings or the experience that you have online? The number of people attend or how we do church, how we incorporate the kids. I mean, I measure, oftentimes I found myself in a season measuring areas of this church and success of this church based on numbers. We were a church... Pre COVID, now we're working our way back to that. We were a church pre COVID where 80% of the people who attended our church actively served in a ministry, which is opposite of the demographic of 20% of the, ser- of the people of the church serve the rest of the church. We were active and involved with each other. And I often measured our success on that. Or uh, early on in the years, uh, chasing dollar numbers because we never, for the first, I don't know, six years, never covered our bills and our expenses. Or stressing on some Sunday mornings over how the empty seats outnumbered the seats that were full. Or searching for people to run the next ministry that, you know, we were supposed to run as a church and, and within the church what we needed to fuel those ministries. It's so easy to focus on gathering and, and accumulating numbers and gathering people to fill and fund or, or peop, getting people in the door. Or, and even if you think about it personally, like what do you measure personally? The amount of time that you pray or the amount of time you are in your Bible or where your focus is, how you serve, uh, how much you're able to do, how much you're able to serve. Like I said earlier, like what are, what are we measuring? And is it the right measurements? because i think naturally culture tells us we want to accumulate we want to amass we want to pile up we want to stockpile it's almost like innately built into us it's like almost like a survival tactic gathering and like securing and now don't get me wrong because god wants us to be secure as his people he wants to bless us and he wants us to be secure to take care of ourselves. And you've, you've heard me say it from the front before, being a Christ follower, following Jesus is, is a very selfish thing. And it needs to be because you need to take care of your relationship with him to be effective. But it's also a very selfless thing. But right? I think oftentimes we can make security in the provisions of God, uh, God's desires for us as a reason to support the lake analogy, the analogy of gathering up as much as we can and in uh, in in hoarding and accumulating for ourselves, which then shifts our focus really off of God, uh, and it causes us to focus on inward. It causes us to become even a little more selfish, not towards God and our relationship with Him, but towards what what we think we desire in our lives, both personally and even minis- in in our ministries. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet. Jeremiah, uh, and Jeremiah uh, was a prophet of God, and that he spoke on God's behalf to God's people in the Old Testament as that relational piece of of God communicating to His people. And I'm often struck by how much the people of the Old Testament struggled with the same people today, with what we struggle with today, like the same humanity across the board from from uh, the Garden of Eden in Genesis to to Revelations, like. In what spoke is, is, is God's people continue to struggle with some of the same things, and God addresses it in his, in his word and in his scripture with us. Uh, but all throughout people and history, some of the same struggles are, back then are the same things we need guidance for uh, today. But Jeremiah was this prophet. He was the last prophet of Judah at the time, Judah being the southern kingdom uh, in the Old Testament, northern kingdom being Israel uh, and, and, and Judah being the kingdom where uh, Jerusalem was and, and they held loyal to that the house of David a handful of weeks ago, we talked about the lineage of Jesus going through the house of david and and uh, and, and the struggle of the Old Testament again, and all throughout humanity and history was this practice of monotheism, which is the idea of there 's one God and oftentimes for us and, and i 'm not going to make you raise your hand because i don 't want to embarrass anybody but we struggle with that idea of God, like serving other gods in our life, the God of whatever it may be that we're trying to accumulate and amass and and establish in our life. We can stumble into that very easily. And uh, around this time for 40 years, Jeremiah uh, had his ministry uh, in delivering what God desired, God's word for God's people. Uh, And and. And kind of only to what Scripture can kind of lead us to believe is that he didn't really see much fruit. Jeremiah didn't see much fruit produced during his time uh, in, in ministry. And I related to Jeremiah, and I often wonder, like, like what is being produced in, in what we are doing? Um, but this comes just before the time of the destruction of the temple, the Assyrian uh, army, or the, they were captive, God's people were captive by the Assyrians, and then uh, during Jeremiah's time, the Babylonian captivity came into be. But uh, two of the themes that God uh, gives Jeremiah to give to his people, to deliver to God's people, are pay attention to what God said. All throughout Scripture, God has addressed some of the same stuff we struggle with today. Pay attention to what God said, uh, that that they are not taking his guidance seriously, and that they were, second, acting on their own behalf. They were acting on their own behalf and what they desired and what they needed, what they thought during, these cap- cap- during this captivity, which, quite frankly, that's when you're, like, you're scrounging for whatever you can hold on to during this captivity. They would, uh, they would uh, act on their own behalf. Listen to the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2, 13. My, ca- my people, God's people, have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Jeremiah is telling God's people, he's telling us, he's, he's, all throughout Scripture this is said, is that we've forsaken God. We turn from His ways, His desires in our life all too often. That's where we struggle. That's where sin lives. That's where darkness is in our lives. We often uh, forsake God's plan for our lives. Life. You have forsaken me. They are no longer in connection with the living water, he says. All throughout Scripture, God, God talks about this flowing living water. Uh, we've talked about it all throughout this series, this idea of overflow, and this idea of, quite frankly, we we focused on filling up, and today's a little bit more turning the corner of, of pouring out. But um, this flowing water, this living water, that even in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, it talks about four rivers flowing from Eden and all life coming from that. And then in Revelations, there's a there's a there's a there's a river that's present in Revelation, of which brings some of that same goodness of God, actually judgment of God in in in, in life in that as well. And so there's this imagery all throughout Scripture of flowing water and uh, living water and uh, thirsting for something, right? And the contrast here is is that what Jeremiah says is that the people of God had dug their own cisterns. They had dug their own pond at the neighbor's house, and they had dug it up to uh, hold water for themselves, but as what God is telling them, that the cisterns could not hold the water. Oftentimes what we establish in our lives, what we want to establish in our lives, what we want to develop in our lives, uh, selfishly doesn't hold the living water that God is talking to us about. The contrast here is God is saying that there's a stagnant pool that they've uh, dug for themselves to to accumulate something, but it doesn't even hold water. It's dried up. I picture it a lot like that swamp that probably still has my shoes and socks in it. Um, But now don't get me wrong, because uh, lakes can be amazing and beautiful things. They can. I mean, we live here by a very beautiful lake. Right? Lakes are beautiful, but rivers, flowing water, is powerful. Right? I've never heard a lake described as being powerful. Lakes can grow. Lakes can grow. You see videos of, of lakes that freeze, and the ice kind of grows up the side. They're pretty cool. They're mesmerizing to watch. But um, uh, l- lakes can grow, but rivers flow, and they provide this energy energy. What we need to focus and be a part of as a church and as individuals in the fold, what 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 th- that makeup of the church of flowing and what is produced from what flows out from here. May we may we not be a church, a people that are digging our own ponds, digging our own waiting pools for us to sit in and just uh, try to enjoy our, for ourselves. Right? We're not building systems or cisterns to feed our own ministries and programs from within this church. Our, ch- our attention needs to be on what flows out, not, not necessarily just, you know, we think of it like outreach, like reaching people, but more just like what are the truths of God that are produced from what he's doing in our lives. Thanks for coming out, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, May we not be a church that that, uh, digs our own ponds and lakes to just sit in. Listen to these words of Ezekiel. This is great. Ezekiel 47.9 says this. Swarms of living creatures will live where the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows... Everything will live. If we are following, if we spend the time personally with God, convening with him, spending, I mean, you know, obviously we talk about the spiritual disciplines of, of prayer and reading our Bibles and things like that. Uh, life will happen within this building. It will, if we're focused on the right thing, if we're in scriptures. But life also has the opportunity to flow from here. And that's where the intentionality comes in. That we focus in on more than just uh, establishing uh, within, but also what God calls us to flow out. It's easy for us to focus in on our own needs, to worry about what, what is needed to do, uh, to do the things that we need to do, um, but man, uh, very much scriptural imagery is this river of amazing refocus and opportunity for us to be intentional with uh, how we are growing in the Lord, and then what is produced from that. Uh, it's relatively common knowledge uh, that rivers flow from high places. I've never seen uh, a, an upflowing waterfall. Have you ever seen one of those? Right? I mean, I've never seen one. Maybe in Minecraft. I think you can do that. Um, But uh, rivers flow from high places down, and that's where our focus can be. As long as we're focused on God, we need to be intentional with what flows downward, his provisions that flow out, his desires for us. Uh, And I believe that if we're focused in the right area, of what we talked about in the last few weeks, meditation and focus on God and filling ourselves, what what does that look like? we're focusing on those things uh, the force of the flow that comes out of those will be will reach far further than what we could even imagine ecclesiastes 1:7 says this all streams flow into the sea yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from there they return again i'm i'm going to put michael on the spot michael i didn't do the children's message this morning will you put the water cycle image up on the screen uh, I was going to give you guys a water cycle lesson. Do you guys remember having to uh, draw this out with colored pencil in elementary school? Remember that? Where you you have the water that evaporates, that goes into the lake. It flows down from the mountain, and then it evaporates, and then it gets condensation, and then the mountain or the hills, like in Sudden Valley, it rains down, and it creates that that cycle. And it's amazing to me that I think that this focus, thanks, Michael, for that, um, that this the water cycle diagram here. Um, is, is 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 it teams well with this scripture in that you know why why isn't it that the 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 oceans and the seas and the lakes don't just overflow right? It's God's design, and for us who uh, you know the metaphor being that God is in the high place, he, rivers flow from high places, and these streams flow into the sea, yet the sea never is full. Uh, to the peace of the streams comes from there, and then it, there it returns again. As long as we continue to return to that high place, that high source of the of the flowing water, uh, what is what is produced will fill uh, will fill um, God's provisions for for far more people than we can even imagine. Because in that model of of what. What, what is our kind of natural desire uh, is one that's focused on ourselves or building up uh, of ourselves, of our needs and our wants. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, but even caring for myself oftentimes is stressful, right? I mean, just trying to provide for my own needs at times, and I'm like, ah! So on our own accord, in our own actions, how we live out our own lives... Caring for ourselves is stressful enough, right? And on our own accord, by our own ability, if we're not, you know, take God out of the equation, caring for somebody else is even more stressful. Because not only do you have to try to care for yourself, but you're then caring for somebody else as well. And so that whole model, it's easier to just take care of yourself. And that innately is kind of where we oftentimes can spend our time. Uh, focus. Again, that's on our own actions. Uh, giving away our time, our energy, our resources, caring about other people is harder than caring for ourselves. However, the biblical way of life, the way of life that we were created for, is one of giving ourselves away, is one of whatever we have, uh, whatever we're blessed with, and this is, again, introducing God back into the equation, whatever God has given us, Uh, that 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 in itself would flow from from us, that the model directly reinforces this idea through the story of Christ himself, who gave himself up for each one of us, right? A very selfless action, an act of love, that Christ didn't sacrifice himself so that we could just kind of hang out in that sacrifice, that we would punch our ticket. In that sacrifice, that we would just wade in that sacrifice, but that we would, because of what He has given us, we would then give of ourselves so that others may experience that sacrificial, that flowing out, that giving away that Christ Himself displayed for each one of us. Arranging our lives in such a way that our lives would, uh, would impact other people based on what was flowing from it. The Great Commission is, uh, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's Jesus' marching orders before he ascended to heaven, and he's telling the disciples what needs to happen. Uh, maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, but in Matthew 28, 20, uh, 19 and 20, the Great Commission is this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you, commanded you. And surely I'm with you uh, always to the very end of the age. This action itself is Jesus leaving and saying, hey, now you go, go out and make disciples. Right? And this is huge. This is is just a model of what flows from a relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself, as he walked in his ministry here on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the story of Jesus' ministry here on earth. Um, but also uh, uh, lessons for us to live and uh, learn in our lives. Jesus never accumulated more than he could carry with him, what He could take with him. Have you ever tried to not accumulate things? I've been reminded about just this week about how much stuff we have, right? It's super hard to live in a way where we're not accumulating things. But when Jesus called his disciples, he took them out of their professions of fishing. He called them out of their accumulation of money as tax collectors. He called them away from their families and said, basically, follow me. And from me, I will give you what you need to live. And they followed him and they learned from him and he taught them. And that was their idea of viewing everything. And what scripture tells us is to view everything that we own here on earth isn't ours. It's God's to use for his glory and his known. He owns it, uh, he owns it, therefore uh, it's all for him. Because he went out and he, uh, he went for others. And he didn't gather things. And he, he taught of this idea of giving himself away. Go out and make. Disciples. The act of making disciples is, 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 in an essence, giving a little bit of yourself away. Right? I mean, I think we oftentimes can wrestle around, what is a disciple? What does it mean to disciple somebody? What does it mean to be discipled? Giving, uh, giving yourself away. Giving a piece of yourself away intentionally to somebody. Giving some of the most meaningful parts away, the most valuable parts because that's, that's the equation. Christ is to be our all and to be what we give our life for. And John sums this up really well, and he says, he says this about disciple, discipling. A new command I give you, love one another. As I has loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple. You are my disciples if you love one another. And we will know you are a disciple by how you love other people. Not by how much scripture you've memorized. Not by uh, how much, you know, I don't know, how much you serve or how much you give. Like, I mean, it's pretty clear. This is how everybody will know you're my disciple. How you love people. How you give yourself. Love is sacrificial. How you give yourself away to somebody else. That's how we will know you are my disciple by the way we love. Now, don't get me wrong because I say this because we need to understand the source, connect to the source, return to the source, that whole cycle, right? But this hit me huge a couple weeks ago when I was discussing this with somebody. Jesus says, love like I love. Understand my love, yes, but love like I love. And not just people in here, not just people that you work with or that you get along with. Actually, people are going to know you're my disciple by how you love them. Or they'll know you're not my disciple by how you don't love them well. Putting yourself out there. Putting yourself in situations where you actually have to choose. Choose. It's a great quote, quote from my wife. She has to wake up every morning and choose to love me. Um, it, she's famous for saying that more than once um, But putting yourself in situations where you have to choose You have to choose love Not where it's easy Not where it comes naturally And we talk about this idea when it comes to m- Multiplication, right? A lake A lake church, a church that just focuses on loving ourselves Really well, that's a, that's a, church, that's a lake church That's a church of addition, we're just adding people and loving them well. And you know, and maybe our ministries are, 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 are growing a little bit. Focusing on getting people in the door. The multiplication side of it is this flowing river idea. Love that loves that loves. That I love you and that in turn, then you love somebody else because of what's displayed. Christ loved me, I love you, and then you love somebody else. Same thing with the disciples. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's our goal as a church, is that we would disciple each other, and out of that discipleship, out of that giving ourselves away to each other, we would then give ourselves away out to somebody. Like, I would, I would disciple Glenn, and in that relationship, Glenn would then disciple somebody else because of what that did. I'd love Ben, and Ben, out of our love for each other, would then love somebody else. We display that. Making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's the multiplication. That's, I mean, you're here because of that. Somebody loved Jesus, found that love in Jesus, and then showed that to you, and then hopefully you're showing it to somebody else. Making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Giving yourself away so that somebody can have enough to then give away to somebody else and that's the picture of this flowing river the adventures that we're on together the adventures of giving ourselves away or instead of gathering up and keeping for ourselves flowing from and giving ourselves for the life that is produced and that will be produced out of that for others speaking on the flowing river and the idea you can't go without reading John 7 verse 37 through 38 that says this on the last and greatest day of the festivals, this is the, the, uh, the feast of festivals that Jesus was at in this time in John, and, and Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, uh, whom those who believe in him uh, were later to receive, uh, up to the time where the Spirit had not been given yet. And so they're just saying that the Spirit of God hasn't been the Acts, uh, the, the coming of the Spirit hadn't come yet. But what will flow from those that believe in Him will be uh, living water flowing from within them. That what we produce in our gatherings is, is just a source of what will be flowing living water from that. And so I want to tell you this this morning, that how we gather here as a church is amazing. It's, it's been a crazy year where we've had to like get creative with it, and we're actually, some of us might even be getting a little comfortable at home. Uh, we invite you back if you're ready to come back, but uh, how we gather has, has changed a bit. But however that looks, I want to encourage each one of us to be connected to the source in which that fills us up. And if we're connected in the right way, what will come of that is flowing, living water for others. And what, 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 natu- what, what comes naturally for us is this idea of gathering up for ourselves and taking care of ourselves. And what we need to be intentional about, I believe, is, is, is giving ourselves away, putting ourselves in the position to give ourselves away to other people. And hopefully, even from within this building, within our fold, within our our our, our family here at CTK Southern Valley, that's a safe place to start. But what God ultimately calls us to do is to far outreach whatever ministry we can build or organize or write up a you know a, a ministry plan for or or anything like that, staff or whatever. Far larger than that impact will be when we can understand that God wants. Like he did for each one of us. He wants wants for us to be giving ourselves away. And so I encourage you with the question that I asked at the beginning is, what are you measuring? If somebody was to say, oh, are are you a believer? Are you following Christ? What would be your measurement of that? Well, yeah, I attend church. We sing... Uh, I even attend a, you know, a, a midweek Bible study, and there's opportunity to give in that. But what we can measure is more so than that is what flows from the everyday part of our life, and living in such a way where we continually, because we're connected with the Father, because we're connected with the Creator, we continually give ourselves away. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. Let's pray. Lord, I, uh, we, my brothers and sisters, come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship. We thank you for the time to come together. Think of our time here on Sunday mornings where we focus for the hour and 15 minutes, hour and 10 minutes on you and what you have for us, Lord. Lord, I pray for that time to be multiplied throughout our week. That this wouldn't be the source of everything, but that you would be the source of everything. Lord, as we go about our week, may we uh, be in tune and in touch with you. May we look uh, to uh, fill ourselves up with your presence and your truth in our lives. Lord, but that it wouldn't just be for us, that we would live our lives in such a way that it was sacrificially given to those that are around us, those that you've placed before us, Lord. Lord, you gave yourself for each one of us and we thank you for that. We thank you for that display and that action, Lord. This morning, as a response to that, I ask that you speak to our hearts and minds on how you desire us to give ourselves away for your kingdom and your work, Lord. Lord, that that our impact... That you desire for us would far outreach any ministry we can plan or organize or gather with, Lord. But that our impact would be evidence of how far your desire is to reach people. Lord, so as we sing these last two songs, will you stir that in our hearts and our minds as we uh, look to continue to hear from you, to continue to be filled with your presence. And what flows out of us, Lord? We thank you again for this morning. In your name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.